Assalamu alaikum. I want to first start by just letting you know how deeply honored I am to be invited to deliver the khutbah today. I am, of course, you know, not an imam. I'm not an Islamic scholar. I don't speak Arabic. I don't have a whole lot of uh, verses of the Quran I can recite for you. I'm just like you, somebody who is trying to learn, trying to understand, and trying to improve myself with the grace of Allah. I will talk to you today about Surah Al-Duha, Surah number 93. It's a surah that has had a very deep effect on me, such me very profoundly. I'll share some of my reflections on that surah. A lot of them contributed to the halqas we have here on Sunday morning, led by Imam Tarif. <clears throat> I hope those reflections are, will, be, will be useful for you as well. It's a surah from the very early Meccan period, an extremely difficult time for the Prophet, peace be upon him. You know, after the first set of uh, converts who were very close to him, his family, close friends, things sort of tapered off. He was having a very hard time convincing people, getting access to the right people, largely because his own uh, tribe, Quraysh and other tribes, had uh, put circles around <clears throat> him, <clears throat> isolated him, uh, basically made him a point of ridicule. So this man who came from a very uh, established family, had respect, had pride, had prestige, suddenly found himself with nothing. The few followers he had were people who had very, very uh, limited social status, no prestige, no money. They were the stranglers. They were his followers at the time. And because of the way he was isolated, he was having access, trouble having access to people. Do you people. have a microphone for us? Yes. I can hardly understand. Okay, I'm so sorry. Let's see if we can. Okay, can you hear me, brother? Yes. Okay, I'll try to be a little bit louder. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, the, the opinion makers, the people who, needed, who he needed to reach, he was not being allowed to get to them. And people were making fun of him, him and his followers were physically abused wherever they went. So he was having a really, really tough time. But the one thing that sustained him was his connection with Allah. So Angel Jibreel was coming to him and revelations were coming, surahs were coming. So he thought, okay, I'm struggling with this prophethood, the process that I need to follow. But I have my Allah, I have to be Allah. I have what I need, so I'll figure out some way. And suddenly, one day, Angel Jibreel stopped coming. Abruptly, no notice, nothing, gone. Days went into more days, nothing. Days turned into weeks, nothing. Weeks turned into months, 
nothing. So he went from concern to panic to destitute to desperation, complete despair. What have I done? He knows that the message of Allah was divine, was perfect, could not be the message. He thought perhaps it is the messenger. Maybe I have failed Allah. Maybe I am not good enough. Maybe Allah has found me out, figured out that I'm really not the right person to carry this message. I have to take this message to the entire world. I can't even get through to my own community. Maybe that is what has happened. Now where do I go? There's no, you know, there's no cliff notes for it. There's no advisors. There's nobody who can tell you how to be a prophet. And then the one source he had is now shut down. He doesn't know what to do. What next? Where does he go? Complete darkness, despair. And in the darkest hour of the prophet, peace be upon him. Imagine that. Where suddenly Angel Jabril appears with this beautiful surah that starts with in by the morning, glorious morning light. And it is one of the few surahs that is directed specifically at the Prophet, peace be upon him. It's in first person where Allah is talking directly to him. The first phrase of the first sentence, what duha layli is asajah. Already I have explained to you puts into question some very basic understandings we have about, about life. It says, by the glorious morning light and the night when all is still. So Allah is in the first phrase saying that the morning light, the duha is not just any morning light. It's the light that comes at sunrise and it continues to get stronger and stronger and stronger until midday. It is a representation of Allah's giving, his gifts. When he gives, he keeps on giving until the point comes when he knows that you don't need anymore. Not what we think we need, not what we think we want or wish for, but what he knows is the right amount for you. And the night represents the time when we have question marks, doubts. You work on something, you strive hard, but you don't know whether you're getting the answers or not, whether you're going to win or lose, fail or not. Is it going to be a positive outcome or negative outcome? And Allah is saying, they are both from me. And they are both important for you. That means what we consider to be failures are often not failures. They are good for us because he knows that. And what we consider to be successes maybe are not as big a deal for us as we think they are. You know, turn on ESPN, turn on the business channel. They tell you, Winners take all. You either win or you lose. There's nothing in between. 
Here is Allah saying, preparation matters, effort matters, sincerity of purpose matters, and you don't know what is bad for you and what is good for you, only he does. Even in this world, brothers and sisters, we see all the time things we thought were so important to us, and we just wanted them to turn out to be actually a very good thing, we didn't get them. And sometimes we get things we really want to get, they turn out to be not so good for us. It's just in this world. And then the accounting for the other world, only he knows. So I ask you some basic things that we take for granted. Concepts like regret. Does it really make sense? Is it compatible with our faith? When you don't know when failure is actually not a failure, should you really have regrets? Does that help our faith or not? I leave that as a question for you to ponder. The other concept we, we talk all the time about luck. I'm lucky, you're lucky, I lucked out, good luck. We use these concepts all the time. What is luck when you don't even know whether an outcome is good for you or bad for you? Should we really be thinking about luck? I remember when our kids were, were young, when my wife and I, we, I remember this, this little story for the kids with, uh, with this kid and he, he has, a, has a sister, DW, and there's a song about uh, Lucky Pencil. And this kid basically uh, is attached to this pencil and he feels like if he doesn't have his lucky pencil, he'll fail the exam and so on. The whole thing is about not relying upon objects as determinant of your luck. So it's not even a, it doesn't even, you know, not even a Muslim uh, concept. Intellectually, you can see. So you have to think about these things. Do we want to really rely upon luck? Do we really want to use words like regret? The surah then moves on into a very, very interesting phase where there's an intimate conversation between Prophet, peace be upon him, and Allah. Allah is talking to him. And when you read it, it's like you're a fly on the wall listening to this intimate conversation. You can almost imagine hearing it. But Allah is saying to, to the Prophet, he says, your rub, your caretaker, has never forsaken you, will never forsake you. And we are not disappointed in you. How many times have we had the situation where we're waiting for that one look? And you know that look often is from a parent or a spouse or a boss or a friend or somebody we admire. We want that look where they look at you and say, I, I see you, I appreciate you, you are cool, I'm proud of you. Some of us go to our graves never getting that look, not the hollow words, actual look where you know that they really appreciate it. Here's the creator of heaven and earth telling the prophet, I see you, I appreciate you, and I will never forsake you. And then he goes on and makes another very profound uh, statement. 
So Allah says, like every night is followed by day, every darkness is followed by light, your future would be brighter than your past. Remember, it's not the other way around. It is not every day is followed by night. It is every night is followed by day. So brothers and sisters, that is the orientation <coughs> we must have. <coughs> Ours is the religion of half full glances. We look forward, not backwards. When you are in difficult times, do not allow yourself to think about the next day being darker than You have to have the right orientation. It must be that we expect tomorrow to be better than today. And then Allah gives very specific directions to the Prophet for how to deal with difficult times. And this is the most treasured, most favorite creature of Allah. And he is giving him tasks to do. It's nothing shortcut, no freebie. Saying you want your situation to improve, here is what you must do. Surely, if he's asking the prophet to do these things, he expects us to do those types of things. And what are those things? First, he says, find a cause. Find someone who cannot defend themselves, help themselves, and go and defend them. He doesn't say find somebody who has the same last name as you, same ethnicity as you, same religion as you. It says someone. You could go to an animal shelter, get an animal, and take care of that animal. You could water the plant. You could help anybody anywhere. If you are in school, go find that kid who's been ridiculed by other people. Go stand next to that kid and, and tell them that you have their back. In family setting, you know somebody is mistreated by somebody in the family. And you see it, you don't say anything. Well, next time at the dinner, go stand next to that person and see if you can defend them. What you have to show is a desire, demonstrate the ability to do something for somebody other than yourself. Demonstrate the willingness to take risk for somebody other than you. This is what is being asked for the Prophet, surely to ask for us. What's the second thing? Second thing he says is, be open to people who might need your advice. Have your social antennas open. If somebody is asking for your help, asking for some kind of guidance, be open to that, help them, and don't let them feel belittled. Don't look down upon them. Don't, don't make them feel uncomfortable about asking. Third thing, very important. Acknowledge the gifts that, you, that have already been given to you. <clears throat> and show gratefulness for them. Think about it. How do you ask somebody for more favors? <clears throat> And you seem to be taking for granted the other favors they've already given you. Makes sense, right? So do an inventory of what gifts have already been given to you. And the last, 
ask me with the conviction that not only do I have the ability to fulfill your need, but that I will fulfill your need. Sincerity of purpose. So let's step back. Let's think about what we usually do, and what we are told to do when there is a very difficult situation facing us. Most of us, first thing we do is we shut down. You get laid off from your job. You don't want to talk to anybody. You're too ashamed. You don't want to discuss. Something bad, bad happens in your family, some health issue, social issue. Last thing we do is reach out. The last thing we do is reach out. Second, we say, I have enough of my problems. Do we ever think about other people, especially in the time of need? That's the last thing. You say, I have a financial problem. Last thing I want to do is think about donating money. I don't have enough to pay my own bills. Why should I worry about other people? It's not about how much. It's, it's that need to demonstrate that you're out there. You want to change your situation. you got to follow the instructions given to the prophet, peace be upon him. Certainly, that is necessary for us. <clears throat> Third thing, we are busy, we're concerned, we're in, in a crisis. We don't even notice people around us. We need to look for somebody who might be asking for help from you or may need something. We don't even, often people don't even notice their own kids. They say, oh, dad is very, very busy right now. He's worried about something. Mom, always got something. Stay out of the way. We don't look, we don't reach out. Our social antennas are turned off. We're not looking out. We're looking in. <clears throat> We're only thinking about ourselves. Last, do we ever, in a moment of crisis, worry about what has already been given to us? For every one thing that we did not get, or that was taken away from us, there are probably millions of things that are given to us, that are around us, available to us. We have to focus on them, brothers and sisters. We have to make a habit of doing that. But particularly in difficult times, this is how you change your lot, your situation. We are being given a very, very clear set of guidelines on how to change the situation. When you have difficult times, it is even more incumbent upon you to reach out, not reach in. Think about others, not just you. That's how you get the guidance. And then the prayer. It's the most difficult thing to even explain, let alone do, which is <clears throat> when you're asking somebody to help you, you must have the conviction that they will give it to you, which is almost part and parcel of the, of the ask. So the best I can do is this. This may have happened to some of you. Let's say you, you have a friend, a very close friend, who comes to you with a very, <coughs> excuse me, with a very serious problem. And they represent to you that you are the only person who can solve that problem. You're the only person close enough who they can trust 
and they tell you what their problem is. And you feel like, God, oh, this, this guy, I'm the only one who can help. He's very sincere. He has a very grave need. I should try to do all that I can. And if you find out tomorrow that that person has gone to four other people in a similar fashion and asked them in a similar fashion that they are the most important people who can solve their problem, how would that make you feel? You feel like, well, this guy is really not serious. He doesn't really know who can solve his problem. There is a missing conviction, not just of the fact that when we ask Allah, we know he is the creator. He can solve any problem. We have to find a way to ask him in a way that we actually, truly, sincerely believe that he will solve our problem. That's what all the prayers, everything is about, to align us in such a way that we can do that. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the part that I want to just emphasize here is that when we are faced with difficult times, the most important thing is to think about what is our role in this rather than what others have done to us to put us in this situation. And if we change that orientation to say tomorrow will be better than today, then the question becomes how can I maybe, how can I help myself to make sure that tomorrow will be better than today. And if we think that way, we can go to this kind of checklist and say, am I reaching out? Am I open to other people? Am I sacrificing? Am I taking inventory of things that have already been given to me? And am I putting myself in front of my creator in a manner that shows that I truly believe that he's the only one who can solve my problem. And that he cares about me. He will not forsake me. And I won't have any regrets. If I had any, I do my toba and I move forward. <coughs> that is important. <coughs> So let's pray that in our dark hours, in our difficult times, we will remember that day and night are both from Allah. That He will not forsake us. And that we Trust his judgment about what is good for us, not any of our prescribed notions of what we need. He will take care of us. This surah, 
before this, I had never really, you know, I knew all the different names of Allah. I knew different attributes. I never really truly experienced. After spending time with this surah, I've come to really understand the Rabbi, the caretaker role of Allah. So when I think about uh, a companion, when I t try to talk to him or, or engage, I, I think about Allah as the Rabbi, my caretaker. He created me, he will take care of me. <laughs> and when I worry about all the things in the world that I, every one of us worries about, how will I do this, how will I do that? Then I think of him as Allah, the greatest. And I feel like he has my back. I don't need to worry about anybody. Hasbi Allah, right? So, Let's try to remember why we're here, why we are in this religion, why we have this faith. It's that source. When we have, and he has our back, we're good. There's not as much to worry about as we think we do. We have to make a habit of literally doing an inventory all the gifts that we have, things we take for granted all the time, the family, the health, the house, all the things around us. There's a reason why all these uh, saints and ulamas did that, because it's important, because it puts you in the zone. When you are, you know, you say, be aware of Allah's presence. How are you aware of Allah's presence? These are the kinds of things that make you aware of Allah's presence. When you're in the zone, you do the right thing, you ask the right way, and you connect the right way. And last, but perhaps not the least, and perhaps very, very important, Islam is not a religion of one. This is not a one-man army kind of formula. You have to be open. You have to be open to other people's needs. You have to know people around you. What do they need? What do they want? Sometimes we ignore people right around us. Our spouses, kids, subtle things. If you had your antennas open, you would know that they were looking for help. They're asking for help. They were seeking advice. But you were closed down. You're worried about you. You're worried about how am I going to deal with that problem or this problem. And what is what Allah is saying is, you don't focus on my creation. You're out of alignment with me. You're not demonstrating the desire to take risk for others, to be open to needs of others. That is not a good demonstration that you are aligned with me. And that is something for all of us to consider on all times. But when we have a particular problem, a serious problem, dark times, we need to do it even more. So let's hope and let's pray. 
we remember these guidances. And uh, I, I certainly hope that some of you will take the time after this to go take a look at this surah. It's a very short surah. Uh, it's very powerful. I hope that it adds some value uh, to your lives as well. Thank you very
brothers and sisters, we have some uh, announcements. Somebody had it. So many announcements. Uh, first, uh, very important one, um, Sister Shaila Hassan uh, just had surgery. Um, he's suffering from cancer, so please uh, do a prayer for her. And so, um, we also need volunteers for the uh, recycling program. Then we don't have a halakha tonight, so Imam Tariq's halakha is cancelled. And finally, Saeed Rahman, retired senior editor, Voice of America, Banga Service, German Town Hospital, is in critical condition. Please pray for him. Saeed Rahman. And then I am having another anonymous brother is in treatment for prostate cancer. Please pray for all these brothers and sisters. Thank you. <coughs> <coughs> 